Hello, welcome back to the Dr. Van Ingen Parenting Doctors Show. This is our parenting podcast. This is part two of our, of our interview with Dr. Dallas Carey, nutritional expert and clinical psychologist. All right, let me ask you about peanut butter. Uh, Skippy. Peanut, so, so peanut butter, out of all of the nuts, peanut butter is the less, is the least good nut to choose from, and that's because they're very acidic, and they are associated sometimes with inflammation, but peanut butter is still better than, you know, frosted, (laughs) frosted flakes. Frosted flakes. All right, now what about, (laughs) what about Skippy? No, I'm pretty sure I have to look at the Skippy label. I don't think I've had that in my in my pantry for like 15 years. Peter Pan. <laughs> but if it has added sugar, don't do it. Plus, it's genetically modified. So Peter Pan and Skippy and these other peanut butters are genetically modified. Don't do it. So you think natural? So it's got to be natural peanut butter. That's right. So so again, the guiding question being. What can I buy? Is this nut butter in its most pure form? Most pure, most unadulterated, most simple form. Okay. And Skippy, Skippy is not. <laughs> <laughs> and so this goes back to the typical American diet. Sad. That's right. Okay. And um, now one of the things that would happen is... Can you talk a little bit about the fat-free movement? I mean, I like to make this joke about, um, you know, if you can eat 24 Fig Newtons in 1995 because the package said fat-free, right? I think (laughs) one of the messages that we got was that fat is bad. That's right. We know the brain needs fat, especially healthy fat, and that's olive oil, coconut oil, Right, uh-huh. avocados. Can you speak to fat and where we went wrong in society and how we're getting back on track? And and tell us about healthy and unhealthy fats. Yeah, so a long time ago, and I, I wish I had the details up, and I don't, but there was a, there was a big study done, and it showed... It showed fat being correlated with heart disease, but the problem is that the the study was not necessarily a well a well carried out study in terms of you know reliability, validity, all the hallmarks of a of a good study that we would reference to help us make good informed decisions. So it looked at it looked at fat from un, less healthy animals, you know, like fat from fat from a steak that is raised on hormones and that is not a healthy animal, that's not going to make for a healthy person. It also didn't, that's the original study that, you know, led to this fat-free movement that we grew up with. It didn't take into account sugar, you know, at the time, sugar also actually causes heart disease. And that's more, that's more well known. That's more understood now. So, you know, this movement got started, and there's all this propaganda, and everything was fat-free, but what we actually do need, and thankfully, research has come such a long way, we need our brain, I think when you take out water weight, our brain is, I want to say, like 60% fat. Could be a little more, it could be a little bit less, but 
we need, um, you know, it's the structure, protein and fat is the structure of our, the chemical structure of our brain. So the best type of fat that we could be eating is polyunsaturated unsaturated fats. That's, for example, olive oil. Um, some saturated, a little bit of saturated fat, I would say maybe, maybe red meat once a week, maybe even less than that, obviously from a healthy animal. Egg yolks, guess what? They're good for you. <laughs> they have a, they have good cholesterol. So that's, that's another mistake that, you know, people used to believe, oh, you can't eat the egg yolk. Do you remember that? Yeah. I used I to make that. my eggs without yolk. Oh, wow. <laughs> my grandmother would say, why are you taking out the yolks? Oh, because they're fattening. That was probably like eight, nine, eight years ago, not even. So we know so much more about how that type of cholesterol and that healthy fat, is, it supports good brain function and good mood function. Um, one, one thing real quick about fat that is probably important for everyone to know too is the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. So by and large, we eat a lot of a high, high quantity of omega-6 and not enough omega-3. Omega-6, you know, that crosses the blood-brain barrier. That's not good for the brain. It's known for creating inflammation, whereas omega-3 uh, sort of sequels inflammation and makes it better. It dampens it. And it's, it's very heart healthy. So a really cool takeaway, a really cool thing is that the same diet that supports heart function and a good cardiovascular system is also good for your mood and your brain and preventing dementia. And that includes fat. Now, so in terms of a healthy fat, Dr. Carey, uh, nuts are a healthy snack, a healthy fat, right? Absolutely. Right, so, and you said earlier that peanuts are the least healthy nut. Now, uh-huh. when, I, when I look at the package, there's a big heart on the package, <laughs> and it says healthy, heart healthy. Now, uh-huh. um, so are, are peanuts a healthy snack? Yeah, why is it so tricky, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about almonds? So, so here's the thing without getting too much into it. Sometimes sometimes the company, sometimes companies are there's financial incentive to putting heart healthy, right? Or to getting that stamp of approval of something being heart healthy. So you have to really kind of dig into, well, how did it get that heart-healthy heart stamp of approval? Who's sort of funding the, the study and the research? So, for example, and a really quick way to sort of drive this point home is Coca-Cola funds the studies, of, you know, these huge studies to prove that sugar is not dangerous. So sometimes we get, you know, we get information still that flies in the face of all of the new information that shows too much sugar is dangerous. But then all of a sudden you get this, this study, then it makes like New York Times, oh, by the way, sugar's actually not all that bad. But if you dig a little bit deeper, Coca-Cola funded the study. So Okay, I'm dying. Sense? I'm dying to ask you about 
the sugar drinks and sugar-free drinks. But before we do, mm-hmm. let, let me finish this nut discussion. Okay. Um, give me yes or no's. Almonds. Yes. Walnuts. The best. Cashews. Very good. Honey roasted nuts, <laughs> like honey roasted peanuts or honey roasted cashews. As long as they're not roasted in soybean oil or vegetable oil, if they're roasted in, you know, butter or something like that or coconut oil, then fine. Okay. Chocolate-covered cashews. As long as it's dark chocolate without added sugar, you're great. Eat them. (laughs) So, to eat chocolate... Now, what's wrong with a Twix bar? Or a thousand grand, or peanut M&M's, or chocolate M&M's? I think the question you meant to ask me is, what's not wrong with a Twix bar? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's all are they di- there's chemicals in it. When I was 10 years old, uh-huh. in 1985, I had a bunch of Twix bars. I actually had them <laughs> for many years before that and after that. But is there a difference between a Twix bar in 1985 and a Twix bar in 2019? <laughs> I would... But I would guess that there are more chemicals in the Twix today than there was way back then. Okay, and that's one of the difference with most foods. Yes. Okay, so if I'm gonna, I so let me throw out um, this idea of moderation. Is it okay to occasionally eat a McDonald's? Is it okay to occasionally eat a Twix bar? What is it, what, what, in your view, Uh what is moderation, like, in my mind, you know, I've been working hard to eliminate the ice cream in my life, but, because (laughs) I easily just, just kind of slip into, Uh um, kind of an ice cream on a regular basis, so I've been avoiding ice cream uh, mostly, but if I could somehow only eat it once every two weeks, is that okay? What is moderation? Absolutely. I so I think that this. I think you raised such an important question because honestly, when when people try to be so strict and they don't allow themselves to ever have that cookie or that ice cream or that piece of pizza. I think what happens is we can wind up even, we we wind up focusing on it so much and we're focusing on what we're not having that we wind up craving it even even more, right? So like whatever we focus on grows. So by disallowing yourself to have it, you are more consumed by the desire for it, for wanting it. So... I would say if you know if you can just do it if you can just have it once every two weeks or just on occasion, that is a good that's a good mindset to approach it with. <clears throat> um, so I actually looked up I looked up the definition of the word balance, and I think the idea of balance and moderation go kind of hand in hand. 
Because people say, oh, everything in moderation, right? And moderation can mean, well, if I have if I have the salad, then that means I can also have the potato chips. Or if I have, if I eat my my healthy eggs for breakfast, well, I guess at lunch I can have the Twix bar, right? Because it's well everything in moderation. Or I but did some push ups and then yes, I get to have sweet potato one. fries. That's a great one. Oh, I worked out, so I get to have the ice cream sundae. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say it just doesn't, I wish it worked that way. It does not work that way. <laughs> so, okay, so here here we go. Um, let's, do, let's operationally define the word balance, okay? Okay. Okay, so number one, an equal distribution of weight enabling someone to remain upright and steady. Number two. A condition in which different elements are equal and in the correct proportions. Number three, to keep or put something in a steady position so that it does not fall. So when you look analytically at the popular phrase of eating a balanced diet, quote unquote, you might phrase it like this. What must I eat to be at my optimal, upright and steady level of functioning? Cognitive functioning, mood functioning, my immune system, my hormones functioning optimally. The answer is not everything in moderation. Eating the, the SAD or the standard American diet in a moderate amount will not result in optimal health. I think that that's powerful, right? Eating yeah. the standard American diet in a moderate amount will not result in optimal health. Eating a moderate amount of McDonald's, it's not going to be good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I like thinking about it like that. Um, but, you know, having said that, I think we should be able to have these foods on occasion. They shouldn't be made taboo. We shouldn't assign some, like, moral value to them. I don't think we should teach our kids to, like, have a contempt for these foods. I think sometimes that can even breed, like, a, like eating disorders or to, to think poorly of people who eat that way. Um, it's just, I think we have to sort of keep the morality out of it and, and instead just focus on teaching kids and also tell, teaching ourselves that it's the value of eating the the nutrient dense foods the value is so great that why wouldn't I want to go for that even on Thanksgiving even on the next holiday right Christmas or or Hanukkah or whatever what about what about getting excited at the idea of how can we make this pumpkin pie healthy how can we do it with almond flour or cassava flour which is really good for your gut um, how can we keep the, the sugar down on it. You can turn it into a game with your with your family and provide really amazing options even at the occasion so that you don't have to kind of fall off the wagon and then feel so bad the next day. Alright, I'm dying to talk to you about Gatorade versus Gatorade Zero. And the background to this <laughs> is I would buy a 24-pack of Gatorade Zeros for $13.99 at Costco. And my kids would say, why are you drinking the Zero? The, the fake sugar is worse than the real sugar. But Your I, kids are smart. <laughs> are they? So is, <laughs> is Gatorade Zero worse? 
than Gatorade? What, what is the what is the sugar alternative in Gatorade Zero? Yeah, I'd if have it's to. Not, yeah, I'd have to look it up. If it's not like stevia or truvia or monk fruit these days, monk fruit's really good. It's the reason why it's harmful is because well, there's a couple different ways it's harmful. Number one, it actually leads your body to crave sugar because your body's getting this sweetness, but it's kind of saying, wait a minute, this is not the real thing. This is not the real thing. So I want more. So then it, and this has been empirically studied too. So people who wind up, for example, like drinking Diet Coke, they ingest more calories than people who drink regular Coke. Because it's the diet version that your, leaves your body actually wanting the real thing. It, your so, body says, wait, this is counterfeit. Give me the real deal. So Coke Zero is worse than Coke. Yes. But but you <laughs> wouldn't recommend any soda. I would not. What do you I recommend? Soda has, doesn't a soda have about 50 grams of sugar in it? <laughs> yeah. What do you recommend people drink? I, let, let me. I recommend I recommend water. Okay, wh- water? <laughs> what about wine? I think wine in small quantities is okay. What about beer? Beer is should be more of like an occasional thing. It's certainly higher on like the carbohydrate sugar content. Okay, what I ab- think wine is more nutritious than beer. What about so any sodas at all? No sodas. What about juices? Apple juice, orange juice. Be careful with juice because here's the thing: where we were never meant, we were never created to have, uh, you know, it's just just juice from fruit. We're meant to have one fruit that has all this fiber in it that we're consuming with the juice in naturally occurring in that fruit. So then we get a normal quantity of sugar. But when you isolate all the juice from the from the fiber, you take away the fiber, the fruit itself, you wind up drinking probably in a, in a apple juice, I don't know, having 15 apples or something. That's way too much because here's the thing. Sugar from fruit is still sugar. And so sugar is sugar and sh- is sugar in the body. No matter what source it comes from, even though it's from a healthy source, it's fructose, if it's coming from fruit, it is still going to overload your your body. You're going to get a crazy spike in your blood sugar. Insulin's going to have to work so hard at getting the sugar down. All right, Dr. Here, yes or no, grape juice? <laughs> no. Tomato juice? Mm, I... I Say maybe just a little bit. Grapefruit juice? I think a little bit is okay. That's a lower sugar one for sure. So it seems like you're saying sugar is the enemy. Yeah, because those fruits have good things in them. They have naturally occurring good minerals, good vitamins. It's it's the quantity, right? So it's a so this is actually true with fruit too. People People think, oh, I'm eating healthy, but then I see them eating a, a, this huge plate of fruit, and I I want to say, actually, <laughs> that's that's too much fruit. We're supposed to have fruit in smaller quantities. You know, okay. vegetables, you don't have to limit. Fruit should still be limited. Okay, so a lot of my friends talk about 
how a gluten-free diet has made such a huge difference for them. You know, ultra-processed white refined breads, which is great for weight loss and lowering inflammation, um, that somehow if they eat gluten-free, it makes all the difference. I mean, is the enemy sugar or is the enemy gluten? Can you speak to that? <laughs> so I think that they're two different things. But, and, and I would say, for, okay, so I would say it like this. For all people, we all know that keeping sugar, so for men, the recommendation, no more than about 30 grams a day total, including both naturally occurring and added and for for women and for kids it should be no more than 20 now that's kind of strict but that that's optimal um gluten is more specific to the individual are you saying no more kids should have no more than 20 grams of sugar per day that's right okay Uh yeah I think that in the standard American diet, I think that most people get like 15, I want to say it's 15% of additional added sugar um, calories in their in their uh, daily intake. So 15% of their daily cal- caloric intake is from added sugar. That's a lot. We could become healthier as a nation we can lose weight as a nation just by changing that one thing um gluten is different because some people have a sensitivity to it some people don't i say on that one the jury is sort of out i i would recommend test it you know play scientist of your health give it a a trial period go gluten free for a week how is your energy some people, I mean, it's amazing. Some people who have uh, arthritis or headaches or, or chronic stomach pain, getting rid of gluten absolutely changes their lives. And their, their, the quality of their life is so improved because of it. I know for myself, I, I can have a little bit of gluten. I feel better. I have more energy if I don't have it. So I would say that is something that you can truly test out for yourself. Interesting. Okay, now, I know you've talked about sugar and you talked about genetic modified organisms and um, now what's what's the what's the deal uh, what's the deal with white versus wheat, whole wheat, whole grain? There's so many different kinds of breads. And is the main thing we're trying to avoid is high fructose corn syrup? We're always trying to, that's like the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. So we're always trying to avoid the high fructose corn syrup. There's actually different, There's this gets kind of complicated because there's some bodies of research, there's some people that say, you know, white is better and then there's others that say no the whole wheat is better the benefit so the benefit of the wheat is that or the whole grain is that a lot of times you're getting again going back to the idea of less less processed so if you do millet flour or um, almond flour or just whole grain uh, any sort of whole grain 
generally speaking, you're getting more good minerals and vitamins in it. So it's it's more nutrition packed. White bread is void of of nutrition. So it just it sort of it offers less, but. I know that some people also, there's also an argument against that, and that some people say that it's better to have the white bread. Um, I can't really speak to why that is, though. I I tend to not do, not really do whole wheat either, just because even whole wheat is a, it's sort of a farce, you know, things get marketed as whole wheat, and that's very much a buzzword of, oh, then that equates with healthy, but it still, it still can turn, you know, it still turns to sugar in the body really quickly, and a lot of times it's, it doesn't offer that much more in terms of nutrition. Interesting. Okay. I want to switch gears, um, and this is just su- such great information, Dr. Carey, and I'm hoping that we can have you back again because you're such an expert in this area. Um, I want to just share something personal and maybe ask if you could speak to speak to it. Um, um, and it's, it's about being a mental health practitioner. I'm going to be speaking to counselors and social workers and psychologists this week. But I think a lot of it relates to the burdens that parents carry. Parents deal with so many things. I know in my life, um, and it was after my third child was born, um, things were very heavy in my life. And I was taking on a lot of burdens as a clinical psychologist, and I was um, listening to a lot of difficult stories, the toughest traumas day in and day out, and and um, and I was just taking on the burdens of others, and I mistakenly did not release those burdens in a real healthy way. I mean, um, I knew the love of God in my life, but... Um, I just did not take care of myself um, in the mid-2010s for um, around 2013 to 2017. I wasn't loving myself. Um, I wasn't doing good self-care. I had some uh, unhealthy habits in my life, and some of those included just not getting exercise and really being addicted to sugar. And that has continued to be a problem over the years. Um, and and I think one of the big pieces is I was just taking on the burdens of others. And some of the pieces, I think, were vicarious trauma. Um, and, and so this week I'm going to be talking to a lot of mental health practitioners and taking on the trauma of others but not releasing those things and letting go and I think a big piece is taking care of ourselves Uh um, in a way for us to continue to be able to help others Um, absolutely and, and I think that parents 
can take on burdens. We have parents that just struggle with just all kinds of scenarios and circumstances. Parents whose kids are maybe have an eating disorder or whose kids are being bullied or just um, tons of examples where parents are taking on the burdens of their kids um, and, you know, maybe not surrendering them, surrendering them. But it's so important for parents to be able to take care of themselves and maybe learn uh-huh. from the ways, learn from my mistakes of ways that I didn't. And, um, and I'm wondering if you could just speak to some of these things and, and how healthy, of course, how healthy nutrition comes into play. Um, but I know you, as a clinical psychologist, you help people in so many ways in addition to uh, good nutrition planning. So I would really love to ask you to speak to some of these things. Yeah, so I I completely agree with you. Like, especially in our field, you know, we can take on so, so much uh, just burdens that other people are dealing with, and I imagine parents are the same way. Like, just literally having, having such a full plate. I would say some of the things that I think are key are having good some really good stable wellness practices and I and when I say that I I mean it kind of from a holistic perspective right so not just healthy eating we've been talking about that um I could give you a whole list of all these healthy snacks and everything and certainly having the right nutrients the, the right magnesium and b vitamins and healthy fat and all of that is going to be a huge part of, I think, providing stamina for the day and also helps to resist and control anxiety that can come with carrying a lot, you know, shouldering, having a lot of burden. But in addition to that, I, you know, I would say look at all the different areas in life that are important and how, and how can you optimize each and every one of those, you know, low-hanging fruit, I like to say sleep. Sleep is so important. You know, people people live less. People live shorter lives when they're chronically sleep-deprived. We're less emotionally resilient. I even just, I know this personally. If, you know, not getting enough sleep, and if, if, if a parent has not gotten enough sleep for so long, they don't even know what their baseline really is, you know? It's like, wait a minute, how stressed are you? We don't even know your real stress level because you're chronically sleep-deprived. So getting sleep under control is, I think, paramount. Exercise is so important. Um, There's even newer research that shows just a little bit of exercise in the morning, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be even five to ten minutes to help get cortisol up in the morning and then it will then go down at night to help improve sleep um even just even 15 minutes of of cardio exercise like three or four times a week makes people less uh makes people more resistant to depression like significantly so like by 20 to 30 percent i think is what i read 
So there's the, there's having exercise. You know, we, when it comes to exercise too, we go after exercise that makes sense for us emotionally. So if someone, for example, is like trying to find their strength and maybe they're, they're thinking in their life, they need to be stronger. They need more of a backbone. They need to be, um, just, I don't know how to say other than just stronger. They might seek out something like something that involves a lot of balance, like yoga or Pilates, whereas someone who's just dealing with more racing thoughts or more anger, more anxiety in a different type of way, they might seek out more hard cardiovascular exercise. So that's kind of an interesting idea, you know, that we wind up seeking exercise that supports us emotionally. I think that can change too over time as our as our emotional needs change. So exercise is certainly a second key component. And then I would add, I would add, you know, relationships. I love to say, I know that you really like to say this too, the quality of our lives is truly dependent on the quality of our relationships. And we're always going to have really hard things that happen and, and, and trials and just difficulties. But staying connected and putting creating and making the time to nourish a relationship friendships and familial relationships and otherwise relationships with with kids that goes that goes such a long way that can protect us so much from um the detriments of i think carrying other burdens and stress and I would probably add one more thing. Are you there? I'm right here. I'm right here listening. This is great <laughs> Sorry, stuff. Talking too much. No, I would this add, is great. I would add stimulating ourselves uh, intellectually. You know, we so we as human beings, like we have this in, this tremendous capacity to learn, and. Um, we need that. We need that stimulation. It helps us cognitively. It helps us well into our older years. It keeps us alive longer and, and with our faculties so that we can think and solve problems longer, better, until until longer, later life. So reading is paramount. And I think it also can take our attention off of our problems and on to something that is productive. You know, think about how you feel after you've studied something. It just, if it's something you're passionate about, it feels so good, you know? It's it's such a stress reliever in and of itself. And then I would add to that, finding a way to do that thing, whether you're learning, like the example I just, I just gave, you know, being intellectually stimulated, stimulated, or maybe for someone else, it's cooking, doing something where you can find flow. And I, I know you talk about that. I think the way I sort of, I like to um, explain it is it's where you're being challenged cognitively, intellectually, but yeah. you still you still know it so well to where you can kind of get into this groove with it. And I think the more we can find our flow on a daily basis, the happier and the more resilient that yeah, we are. That's great stuff, Dr. Carey. I have a, a good friend. 
uh, Brian. He's a physician at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. His uncle, Dan Barry, has become a, a mentor of mine this year. And he says, do every day, do something mentally, do something that stimulates you mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And mentally, read, challenge yourself intellectually, physically, exercise regularly, run, train, spiritually, spend time with God, and emotionally, just connect in relationships, and, and just... For me, it's just reaching out to to guys in my life, um, and yeah. yeah, so yeah, and then and one more one more thing too is taking little mini breaks during the day, even if it's just like a one or two minute break to daydream or think about something totally different or walk outside and just make a quick phone call. Our, we need little breaks throughout our fast paced busy days it helps with mental fatigue it helps with burnout so that just on a very sort of practical uh level i think that could help people too so dr Kerry, we have done an interview over an hour we're we're at about an hour (laughs) and six minutes and you have provided so much value and this is going to impact so many lives. I'm just hoping that people out there will actually listen to the entire interview in our <laughs> microwave, <laughs> instant stimulus response. They'll uh, need a really long drive. Yeah, it, it's. It, <laughs> we might have to have a shorter interview next time, but this is just so great. So. Thank you so much for staying on, and and hopefully um, um, we can do part two another time. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This is great. This is Dr. Dan Van Ingen with this week's Parenting Podcast. Check out Dr. Carey at DallasCarey.com for great resources, great information. You can contact her through email or phone. For, she provides consultations over the phone, a lot of great stuff on nutrition for mental health, or if you're looking for a psychologist in the Southwest Florida area, that's Dr. Da- or that's DallasCarry.com. This is Dr. Van Ingen. Thanks for listening. All right, let's-